0: The Women's Health Wisdom & Wine Podcast, a weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many other women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily women's health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email at info To learn more about our team's approach to care, visit our website at www.larenahwhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute for a bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. In today's episode, Tiffany Davis Nazaire talks with us about surgery as a diagnostic tool and a treatment modality the various types of surgical interventions and their effectiveness, and determining when surgery is needed. Let's listen. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. We are now, I believe, in week four, four. of Endometriosis Awareness Week. Mm-hmm. Where has the time gone? Oh, I can't no. believe it. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, you look beautiful and you're yellow. Thank I like you. that. And so as we are continuing our Endometriosis Awareness Month conversations, we are back with Tiffany Davis-Nazaire. Hi. She is a person who is living with an endometriosis diagnosis. Welcome back, Tip. Hello. And over the last few weeks, we have talked about endometriosis 101, just the basics, the diagnosis, what does it mean? We've talked about some really crucial myths. We've talked about some dietary and lifestyle um, modifications. Mm -hmm. We've also talked about how to handle endometriosis in your relationships, including work and family and friends, intimate partners, um, marriage, spouses, all Mm -hmm. the above. And last week we talked about endometriosis and pain perception. So this week, we're going to talk about the other aspect, which is the clinical aspect, and that is the surgical intervention. So as we talk about surgical interventions, Tiffany, when you had your first surgery, what brought you to that point that you realized or felt that you needed surgery, and what was your goal?
1: So um, mine was a little bit different. I um, I think like we discussed in either week one or two, I... Just had this pain, doubled over, passed out, and then ended up in the ER. And after they worked me up, right. they said, you need to go see this doctor. Um, mm-hmm. So, and then I didn't really have any goals because it was so acute. And then, like, my age, and I don't want to make it seem like 16-year-olds aren't capable, but just at my age, right. then the background, as far as, like, talking about certain things, you just kind of didn't discuss. Um That was my experience. Now, I know that um, I don't know if the whole include everyone in your care was like front and center back in 1999. But I think that my parents were more aware of what's going on and that information Mm -hmm. never made it to me, really.
0: Right. Right. And I think that's a that's a big point to consider, because a lot of times Women are people who have an endometriosis diagnosis, don't even get the diagnosis till they're in like adulthood. Right. So you don't even really understand what's happening to your body as it's changing through puberty, let alone, oh, it's supposed to be painful. So maybe this isn't a thing, and maybe this is just how life right. is. How do I even talk about it? If this is just how my life is going to be, I just got to, like, okay, figure out how to manage the pain. So your goal, in, in essence, was pain um diminishing and pain relief um more so than anything else
1: so that was my first surgery i guess the the goal there was to yeah get rid of the pain or whatever is causing this um and then the endo diagnosis you know fast forward my second and that was 16 my second and third surgeries didn't happen until i was 35 and 38 so oh, wow. it's a okay. very different we'll, we'll get there. Okay. We'll get there. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's basically yeah. like I knew what was happening, sort of, but I really was not aware of what was happening to my body. And I was not really right. included in those conversations.
0: Wow. Yeah. Okay. And again, this is just one of those It's so another podcast. I think it's very important to realize <laughs> that not everybody gets diag not everybody comes to that point of the intense pain or right. the fertility challenge right. and at sixteen. Exactly. You you had you this is again another unique perspective. <laughs> so as far as you can remember, were any of the risks and benefits discussed of having that surgery during that time or do you remember that it being discussed with you or your parents?
1: So um I know it wasn't discussed with me, but I know um, I've talked with my mom, and they did discuss the benefits and risks. Um, She doesn't remember. She does remember them saying that they may have to take my ovary and what that would mean. She did did remember that, um, and she did remember them discussing the recurrence, but only because she had endo. And she knew, okay, she knew that it could come back because that's what ultimately led to her hysterectomy and her surgery. So she knew that, but she still okay. only had a very limited knowledge of endo and all of its intimate
0: details right.
1: and working. I mean, I think about it
0: 1999, mm-hmm. 16 years old. And then your mom, I mean, even if she was like a teen mom or whatever, I mean, that was still a longer time ago. So they knew even less and there was even less advances and even less conversations and even less openness and awareness. And even like all the things that we're thinking about, there were still, no one was talking about it the way we're talking about it right now. And that's the important
1: part. Like we talk about it so much right now, which is great, but we also have the Internet Back in 99, the internet was nowhere near like what it is right now. And the availability of information was just not there. So even those discussions and and, uh, talking about things was even more important back then. And I think that's where... And probably even
0: more challenging because there was less information. Right. And less platforms, less social media to really engage people from all over the place. place. Okay. So at that time, this we're still at first surgery, was there any other diagnosis that you had, any other health concerns that you had besides, that, that you knew of, except for this excruciating pain during or surrounding your menstruation? That's it. Okay, so at this point there was no endo-and, no. it was just endometriosis. Yes. Okay, not just just, but that was the only thing that, that was the primary and main concern. Yes. Okay, so up to this point, You know, right before you know, you're doubled over in pain. What had you been doing so far to manage your pain?
1: Um, Like during my period, I would do
0: uh, ibuprofen. Okay, that's about it. Did that ameliorate anything? Did it help, or was it just a matter of it helped? No. Dulling things a little bit.
1: Okay, so yes, that.
0: It, it dulled okay. things um,
1: until the next okay. go around. So it made it possible okay. for me to actually move around
0: and, you know, okay. do things. So. Okay. At, had you taken any birth control at that moment? No. Okay. Um, what was from zero to 10? And we're talking your zero to 10. 10 being the worst pain of your life. What was the severity of your pain at this point?
1: Well, if... I'm sure it was a 10 to me back mm-hmm. then, but knowing the pain that I felt since then, the pain yeah. on that day when I doubled over was probably probably like a 6 or a 7 compared okay. to right.
0: what I felt what it has since then. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And at that moment in time, at that age... What did it, can you remember things that made it worse, things that made it better? Um, worse was like walking,
1: walking upstairs. Mm-hmm. Um, oh. Things that made it better was medication. Um, didn't really have knowledge of to do heating pad like I do now. Um, mm-hmm. Definitely not essential oils or anything like that. So just right. rest if you can. Okay, you know, but there's the yeah. whole, okay, I can't miss school. So I was just about to ask that. Were you missing school for on the days that you had Flara? I had not missed school to that
0: point. It was it was very uncomfortable, but I I just uh-huh. kind of. But you forged mm-hmm. on. Okay. How about records review? And I know again you were sixteen, so at this point in time, looking at your medical records was like whatever. But did you have any records review? Did your mom primarily? I'm assuming did she. Did they review any of your records in terms of um, anything that had gone on pediatric up to this point that they looked into or that helped them to potentially frame a diagnosis? No. Got it. Okay. So now we are at surgery. Mm-hmm. You're doubled over your pain. They refer you to who? Was it a general surgeon? Was it a colorectal surgeon, urogenital, urology? Who did they refer you to in terms of, okay, to address your pain?
1: Um, it was a G- OBGYN, um, okay. and I felt like out of all my doctors, she actually managed my pain the best, and she kind of explained okay. things the best,
0: sort of. Um, okay. And had you been going to an obstetrician-gynecologist prior to this pain? Nope. Okay, so this was your first introduction was, to yep. gynecology. Yes, okay. another problem. Yeah, it, An- was like, another problem.
1: Um, it, yeah. it definitely was my first time. Um, and I don't think she expected endo when she went in because okay. the conclusion, she was, surgeon she was my surgeon. Well? She, there was a cyst. Okay. So she was there to remove the cyst. Okay. I think once she got in there, because I was cut, this wasn't laparoscopic, she's like, okay. oh okay so the end she definitely diagnosed it after the fact after seeing so I think she went in and she may have gotten more than what she expected to
0: find gotcha Mm -hmm. so at the beginning when she when you decided on surgery you knew surgery was the right step how did even that conversation go was there any, ta- did she know based on your symptoms, was it an ultrasound, was it an MRI, that she even found the cyst? How did she know that, or how did you come to the conclusion that yes, surgery is our next step?
1: Um, so the surgery at 16, it really wasn't a choice given to me. They were like, this okay. needs to happen.
0: Okay, um, because they knew you had a cyst? Yes. Or the pain was ongoing? The pain okay. was ongoing. How did they find
1: the cyst? So ultrasound, I have never had an MRI okay. for endo. Um, Okay Just CAT scans and ultrasounds But um, Okay I really wasn't given a choice They were like Okay You passed out There's something happening This is what it is Here are the risks and benefits Here's what's going to happen It really was no Okay
0: It wasn't a conversation It wasn't a conversation Like (laughs) here
1: are your options What would you like to do They're like no Here's what's going to happen And then I was a minor (laughs) So you know That further complicates things too As far as like Declining services Or treatment or whatever So And of course your parents Just want to do What's best for you at the time And you're telling me That surgery will make it better So okay yeah That's the logical
0: option Absolutely Okay so now we're at surgery you know you have to do surgery mm-hmm. um were, what was the what was the end game was it to improve your quality of life was it to what? what was the end game in terms of addressing your pain
1: in terms of addressing my pain i don't really know if it was even discussed that you know when she has her period she has uh, this fullness here—I don't even think that was discussed. I feel like there's a cyst. It's on your ovary. The goal was to preserve
0: fertility. Okay, okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that that combination because usually that's what we're talking about when we talk about endometriosis and surgical intervention—right? Either alleviate pain or preserve fertility or address some fertility challenges. Right. Somewhere, somewhere in that realm. So at this point in time, we're talking about preserving fertility, and I guess the pain would be a, um, not necessarily a side effect, but a one of, one of the things that come along with that, um, of, of making sure we're preserving your fertility. Okay, good to know. Now, one thing I always like to highlight is that, again, endometriosis is not necessarily a uterine disease by definition it's extra uterine yeah and i think you mentioned it before that you can find endometriosis in the not just in the pelvic cavity but in the thoracic cavity in the lungs around the heart the diaphragm the the brain um, the bowels the Mm. colon Mm -hmm. so when you're talking about symptoms we have got to open our minds around the fact that it doesn't just affect menstruation right. or the menstrual the body. This is something that can be, so any any kind of symptom that happens potentially at particular times in your menstrual cycle, like you start coughing all of a sudden, or you're coughing more, or you're coughing up phlegm, or you're bleeding um, rectally, anything like that, that could be endometriosis. yeah. Yeah, headaches, any any of those things, mm-hmm. that could be endometriosis, but no one's going to go first to your brain and look for endometriosis. No, no one's gonna first open up your thoracic cavity just to see if you have endometriosis. Right. By that time it could have spread, but it's always you gotta look for you know the horse instead of the zebra right. when you hear the when you hear the hook prints or the hoof beats. Okay, so there's that. All right, so when after this after this surgery this is surgery number one you know things have gone on things have evolved and this surgery was as you mentioned before to deal with some of the torsion that happened around the um your fallopian tubes your ovary Mm -hmm. and that's what led to them having to remove your ovary because of the torsion so talk to us a little bit about that
1: um so the cyst had grown a stem and it had wrapped around and then there was some twisting which is that torsion that you talked about so essentially what happens is you have a lack of blood supply because it has twisted and that's what causes pain so it's the same thing that causes the chest pain um in a heart attack like that classic ah like when you have a heart attack Uh it's the same thing because now the muscle is lacking blood so that's what gives you the pain so that's basically um what it was. That, that was my cyst.
0: Um, right. And that was really all they thought they were going in there for. That's what they were trying to address. Right. Now, keep in mind, this at the time, they see a cyst. But we also know that an endometrioma is a special type of cyst. Not just the kind of cyst, the ovarian cyst that kind of can come and go and fluctuate. Yes. And yes, those can rupture, those can burst, causing pain as well. However... An endometrioma is a different type yes. of cyst because it has endometrial, endometrial-like mm-hmm. tissue associated with it, and it also speaks to the level of the invasiveness, the depth right. of invasion. And as we look at that, that's what that endometri- it's sometimes it's not even the endometrioma itself, but the level of invasion that is causing the pain, that's you know um, exacerbating the cyst and everything right. else. Okay, just again setting some setting some parameters and looking at like this whole thing and all its features in context. So as we fast forward, okay, you're post-op, things are going along with mm-hmm. your life. When did you know that you needed to bring on another type of surgeon or another type of um, specialist? So for me, it was an extra
1: fast forward because I was put on birth control immediately after surgery and I stayed on birth okay. control from age 16 until I was 33. So right after I got okay, married. So years. Right. Yeah. Okay. Came off okay. came off wow. birth control to try to conceive, that's when I noticed, okay, something's not right. And I knew it was endo and my GYM was like, Okay, yeah, that's just an endo. So you get the prescription meds, you get all of the normal or typical treatments mm-hmm. to do and then at thirty five, I'm like, I
0: I can't I can't take this. How did you know that it was endo versus just something else. And did they make that endometrius diagnosis after your first surgery? Yes.
1: yes. Okay. So I was able, I was lucky. I was very lucky that I didn't have to wait for a diagnosis. So I had that diagnosis in my chart and I, you know, could carry mm-hmm. it with me. So providers could see, yeah. okay, she's got endo. So I feel like that put me, you know, hundreds of steps ahead of yeah.
0: some people. Right. So when you had, what were the symptoms that you're like, when you came off of birth control, and <laughs> you're trying to get pregnant, what were some of the symptoms that you're like, oh, this is not healthy. This isn't normal. This is, this is something else. What, what was the trigger for you?
1: Um, so it started out with the pain that I had in my teens, like before the doubling over. So it started out mm-hmm. with that fullness. And then I'm just like, okay, this is just my cycle. Then I'm just like, wait a minute, this might be endo. Like it started to get worse. And worse, and then I started to miss work. And then, you know, Uh that's when I'm just like, okay, when you can't push through it because I push through the pain. So if the pain is that bad that I can't push through it, then maybe it's time for another level of treatment.
0: Up to re-examine. Okay. And keep in mind, again, all this time, maybe not all these symptoms happen to you. But a lot of times when they're looking at scans, whether it be a CT scan Mm -hmm. and ultrasound, they're looking at everything. The surgeons are looking at everything. They're looking to see if your uterus uterus itself is mobile. Because if it's stuck and it's not mobile, that means there are adhesions. Adhesions mean inflammation inflammation leads to lesions and that cycle just kind of continues to go around and around and around and around and around and, <laughs> and, around, and, around, and around and in and out and back and right. forth and up and down and up and back yeah so there's there's all these things that they're looking at because if that uterus is stuck to your rectum it could be the fact that that adhesions itself are causing the pain, the pain. Mm-hmm. so if we kind of alleviate the adhesions then maybe you can like mobilize the yes. uterus you don't have that much pain Sometimes there are nodules behind the cervix Mm -hmm. that are those lesions, and that when they do a rectal exam or any type of um, exam that warrants a rectal exam, maybe there's rectal bleeding, they can feel nodules, those lesions, behind Mm -hmm. the cervix that's causing the pain. Um, And sometimes people, when you just have a regular colonoscopy, depending on your age, which you wouldn't have had at 16, that can also lead to you know some colorectal surgery where they find yes. endometriosis. So again, we're looking at so many different levels and ways to get to that diagnosis, not necessarily when you're at 16. Right. So again, all these things can warrant a surgical workup that will again help you find endometriosis. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you never had an MRI and I do wanna talk about that. That an MRI is very expensive, very, 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 very expensive. Mm-hmm and usually if you have a good diagnostician and a good surgeon they're not going to push you there because they know how expensive it is and you can find a very and make a very good diagnosis based on an ultrasound and or a CAT scan Um, so what they'll usually find and this is just some clinical things for is that they'll find on an ultrasound that sometimes your uterus which should be leaning forward if this is the If this is the, I'll put it this way, if this is the fundus at the top of your uterus, it will, it should be leaning forward this way. That's a healthy position. However, in cases where there's adhesions or there's some type of inflammation, sometimes the uterus looks like it's actually bent backwards, almost bent in half and folded. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's folded. So you're not even seeing the picture because it's just being pulled out of its typical position which is also painful, painful. yeah that would be painful for anyone right. even if there was no endometriosis if your <laughs> uterus is now <laughs> bending, like literally doing a back bend <laughs> in terms of its healthy positioning <laughs> right yeah that would be painful no matter what so dealing with that immobile uterus, which by the time it, you got to these points, especially if you've been taking birth control, um, having like years, 17 years of synthetic hormone stimulation 19. on top of the, um, the, um, the estrogen production of the endometrial tissue itself, you've had a lot of other different things going on. Um, were you? How did you get to that next surgeon? How did you got your laparoscopic... Mm-hmm. You didn't even have a laparoscopic diagnosis. You had one with your general... Uh, with at the, 16, your OBGYN yep. mm-hmm. at 16. Okay. Um, so how did you get a referral to your next specialist or your next uh, surgeon?
1: So thank goodness I didn't need a referral. I, my insurance, I could just find and just pay like the the uh, copay for a specialist. Okay. Um. I got to the point where I was just like, okay, something has to change. Maybe I need another surgery. Um, I hadn't quite right. found my voice yet. I hadn't quite found the strength to advocate for myself like I have now. Yeah. So I did do a little bit of research online. And I was just like, well, maybe I need to have surgery again. Maybe I need a specialist. So I found one. Um And just kind of set up a consultation. And then after she saw me, she actually said that that pain is not normal. And Mm -hmm. shame on anyone who's ever told you that. Right. So anybody who has any type of diagnosis, especially endo, knows that when you find a practitioner that says that to you, Mm. that's golden. Because now yep. they have
0: validated you, in a sense, and not minimized Use. you. Right. Mm-hmm. And they have taken the... First of all, and this is for anybody, endometriosis or not, you should not have pain with your period. Right. That, is a, that is a lie. I don't even want to say it's a myth. It's a lie mm-hmm. that has been propagated to us since our first health class that we had when we were in, right. like, sixth grade or seventh grade or junior high school. That is something that is... And I don't I still don't understand why but I know it has some pinnings in the patriarchy I'm sure
1: mm-hmm. but
0: your menstruation does not have to be painful you let alone painful you shouldn't even have any symptoms when people talk about the bloating the headaches the back aches the numbness the um water retention the breast uh tenderness the nipple tenderness all of those things mean that there's a level of imbalance Menstruation is just a natural part of being alive and having a uterus. That's what that is, period. It's a simple thing is blinking your eyes. You blink your eyes to moisturize your eyeball to protect yourself from the dirt. That is a physiologically And healthy it's healthy. Process. It's a healthy process. Exactly. Yes, exactly. It's a healthy process. You would not want to walk around all day not being able to blink your eyes and having your eyes open and pinned open all day long. One, it would be painful, two, it hurts, but there's, we talk about pain again. And right. there's this pain, there's something wrong. It's not, Pain is never okay. Pain is to let you know okay. that there's something off. Exactly. There's something wrong. It's an imbalance, a deficiency, and an excess. So when we talk about anybody who tells you that your pain is normal, give them the side eye and then reevaluate your relationship. Right. That's, that's that's what it comes that's down to. Basically. Yeah. yeah that's that's what it, when that's a clinician, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a mother, a father, a relative, whoever it is, when they invalidate your pain or encourage you to deal with your pain or act like your pain is not that significant or it's not a big deal, chuck up the deuces, right, and you balance. Right. They don't have to go, but you you need to go. Right. So I really do appreciate you highlighting that aspect and that someone actually validated your experience because those were your shoes that you were living in every day, Mm -hmm. missing work, missing out on probably plugging into life, life. as a whole and all the mm-hmm. activities that you yeah. want to do. Um, so validating that experience and saying the words that that's not normal and it's also not healthy, it's not acceptable, that's important. So continue. Um, and I forgot to mention that my second surgery
1: came four months after uh, my first fertility treatment. So First, I tried to do wow. IUI, which is intrauterine insemination, which is basically mm-hmm. they kind of give you a boost. You do everything yeah. else, but they kind of just give you a boost, right? Um, right. You, I still had to take medication. They hyperstimulated me, so they hyped me all up, and then they shut everything down. And guess down. what
0: that is? They hyped you up with, uh huh, some other stuff to help you ovulate. And what is that?
1: Hormones.
0: Yep. Other form of hormones continue.
1: And then they hyper-stimulated me, which means my ovary was like this big. And they were just like, "Uh Uh uh-oh, unless you want to be octomom, we need to shut you down. (laughs) So you took me up and then you basically kicked me off a cliff to bring Uh me back down.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, And so all of my surgeries have resulted because of discomfort. Pain, number one, but also assist. Again, my goal was to have a baby. So anything that I needed to do to preserve my fertility of the one ovary that I have left, I was going to do it. So my second surgery came after that horrible experience with IUI. With IUI. My endo that, was not even would... taken into consideration. That records review that you talked about, yeah, yeah, my records were there, but I feel like you didn't say, okay, well, if you have this extent of endo, maybe the IUI or maybe there's something else that we need to do. I don't think you considered how the drugs would affect my endo, yeah, in a negative yeah. way. So that's one of those things that you know they say hindsight is twenty twenty. That's a thing.
0: It really is a thing right um. and here we are now beginning to talk <laughs> about endo and this is when that endo and conversations begins. Mm-hmm. for your case it's endo and fertility challenges right and so one thing we talked about is that you did not have I want to go back to it you did not have a laparoscopic di- um, surgical intervention to get your diagnosis Then that's typically how most people get because you can get the diagnosis and some remediation all at one time. Mm-hmm. Remediation meaning you can get some of that taken, taken out. out. They go in, they mm-hmm. see it, and they can take out or excise what they need to take out. Um, we're going to talk about the difference between um, excision and ablation mm-hmm. in a little bit, um, but that's typically how endometriosis is diagnosed, and that's, that wasn't your course. But now we're going to go back, hop back again to the endometrioma, and the pain. A lot of times when you have a wonderful surgeon and a good practitioner and a good team, they're gonna ta- ask you is about what are your goals? Like every single time, what are your goals for this for this procedure? And it's, for the most part, and it could be, be something completely different, but for the majority of the cases, it's gonna be about pain, infertility, or both. Right. Fertility challenges or right. both. And when you're dealing with an endometrioma, yes, there's gonna be some level of a pain, But then when you're taking in the fertility challenges, we have to think about how deep, like the endometrioma means the invasion into your tissues is already deep into your pelvis. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna literally be operating on an ovary. Mm -hmm. Operating on an ovary means you're going to be interfering with ovarian function, in fact, decreasing that ovarian Mm -hmm. function. So at the same time, we're addressing a pain issue, the depth of invasion, but also this is going to by definition be decreasing a high possibility that's going to be decreasing ovarian function so when even when you're talking about ivf you want to make sure are we is going to cutting out the endo really going to be beneficial when by any type of ivf procedure you're literally bypassing all the things you're bypassing the ovary because you're going to get you know you're taking those Stim, you're stimulating the ovaries. Mm-hmm. You're not even. It's not happening inside the body, right? Again, you're the fallopian tubes. It's not. There's nothing that needs to travel. You're bypassing that. Right. Uterine cavity. Also bypassing that. So because all of that's happening outside the body. So is having another surgical intervention that could potentially lead to more scar tissue, more adhesions, more inflammation. Is that the thing to do right before you prepare for or? Fertility cycle or IBS cycle. Again, <laughs> things to things to consider that they cl- clearly did not mention with you. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Yes. Yeah, so next thing, adenomyosis. This I'm bringing this up because again, we talk about endometriosis, adenomyosis, fibroids. Yes. Like sometimes they're all. Yeah. Sometimes they can all be wrapped up Absolutely. into one person's Absolutely. body. Absolutely. You can have all three. It is possible. It's a measure it, That is a miserable existence yes. because you're fighting. So you're fighting all the demons. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, trying, you're fighting them with not all the best um, weapon weaponry. weaponry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, weaponry. Yes. So again, to make the distinction, endometriosis are endometrial like tissue, but it's extra uterine by definition. It's outside, outside the uterus. Mm-hmm. Fibroids can be anywhere, literally, they can also be outside your outside the uterus, but mainly uterine fibroids are, again, in the uterus, in the different um, layers of the uterus. Adenomyosis is the endometrial tissue, but it's growing into the muscular layer. It's growing into, not the cavity, but it's growing into the muscular layer. So sometimes it can look like fibroids, sometimes it can mimic endometriosis. Right and nobody knows what to do with it, nobody really knows how to diagnose it, and then it's like, oh, what do we do? And again, you can have all three of these going on in your body at one time. Mm -hmm. I'm sure that's a party. (laughs) But anywho, just just for clarification, I wanted to make sure we um, address some terminology. So, they had you on, you had had your IVF cycle, um, moving on through. So that was IUI,
1: so IUI, Yes. Yes. Second right. surgery, decided to, um, after my second surgery, I did, I lied, after my second surgery, I did Lupron, and then after I got off Lupron, so they highly recommend that you, um, uh-huh. No, I had, the, I had the order right. So I did IUI, second surgery. They highly recommend that you get on um, some sort of um, birth control to minimize it coming back. Because, again, that's one of those uh, risks or uh, recurrences right. that they t- tell you about that this can come back. I decided uh-huh. not to because, again, the goal is to get pregnant. So I get everything removed with surgery number two. Let's try to... You know, make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, It doesn't happen. And then March, I had surgery. In August, I was doing IVF. So this is my different type of fertility, but this is my second round of uh fertility. Now the IVF, if anybody has heard or know personally or intimately. That's a different animal It's injections So injections of some strong stuff um, I do think my endo was taken into consideration The doctor was just like Well, you don't have unexplained We know why We just need to figure mm-hmm. out the best way how So I appreciated that um, That process did not work um, Right. And I still um, After that surgery I was just like You know what <laughs> That Not the surgery, but the IVF. After that experience, I was just like, I never want to do this again. But I do Mm -hmm. need relief. I've been in pain for so long. So I did um, take, I think, two rounds of Lupron. And then I started um, Oralisa, which is one of the medications for endo that did not work for me. I had horrible side effects. Again, this is all my experience.
0: Um, Right. Yes, all of this, is all, we're talking about personal experience. Right. That's what we've been talking about with her for the last four <laughs> weeks, so you can know her. This does not have to be any, everybody else's case. So this is not biased or anything. A right. Yeah, this is just this is my just experience. Your lived experience. Um, right. And there are all going to be some threads that what from the time you get diagnosed, mm-hmm. if there's any pain, if there's fertility challenges that you may experience so that you can try to avoid them. Right. Um, so, so that you come I'm up for you right go ahead continue. so
1: um it was after that experience with the Oralissa. then I'm like all right well let me have this other surgery um okay that was pretty um uh, no I went a few years after that so after my IVF I actually mm-hmm. found so this is the turning point for me Um, Okay. So I actually found a practitioner. I found a village. So it was not just a GYN. It was everything. It was steaming. And I think I talked about this on one of the other podcasts. So it was everything um, to really address. And I had never had that before. Again, I had done my research now. I'm kind of finding my voice, advocating for myself. So I had it to be able to tell the... um, ivf doctor who i was who's was following me like i'm not doing this anymore i'm going to right. you know try some other treatments if i need you i know where to find you but i need to take this into my own hands now right um so that was the turning point so that was what we call alternative therapies that was the turning point for yeah. me
0: um right okay <clears throat> yeah and so before we go there i want to again this is another thing about navigating the system that not everybody knows mm-hmm. Everything has to be coded in medicine. Mm-hmm. Every single thing has to be coded. If the doctor, the doctor looks at you, there's a code okay. for that. If the doctor winks at you, there's a code for <laughs> that. If the doctor touches you, there's a code for that. If the doctor touches you on the outside versus the inside, there's a code for that. So one thing I do know, and I am not a medical coder, but I do know the intricacies of you know coding is that if you have a Planned a surgery for endometriosis, it will be covered if it's based on pain. So when you talk, no matter what, you must talk about a pain component. And if you are endometriosis pain and you have a diagnosis and you are pain free, more power to you. However, if you're going to have an endometriosis related surgery, on the basis of fertility, please know that it will not be covered. There is no insurance covered. They are not gonna code it. They're gonna code it for, oh, you came to us because you can't get pregnant. And, I'm, and I. this is not fair, it's not just, it doesn't make sense, because guess what, it's the same surgery. It's the same procedure. They're not doing anything different. However, if you are only talking about your main concern is getting pregnant, even if it is, please know that the doctor's gonna write down for fertility challenges. That whole surgery will not be covered by insurance. So you need to talk about literally every single one of your symptoms, even if it doesn't have to do directly with the fertility challenges, which it does, but you need to talk about the pain aspects, whether it's uterine, whether it's extra uterine, whether it's in your chest, whether it's cough, not fabricate but still talk about right. your lived experience and don't try to downplay anything. Right. Okay. And I really do think it's important because a lot of people do not know. It's a, and yes, it's the same surgery. But if you're if you're doing having the surgery primarily for fertility challenges and that's going to be the medical office where you go that, you know, puts in these codes mm-hmm. and you're having mm-hmm. it primarily or only for fertility challenges, you're going to see a price difference when you get that bill at the end of the month. Let's just say that. Absolutely. Okay. All right, so you found your village. Yes. You're getting your complimentary, your integrative mm-hmm. care. You're doing all the things. Mm-hmm. And let's fast track. I think you said a good, let's fast track to like, I think 2020.
1: The third surgery? Yes. So yeah, 2021. That's 2020 or 2020? 2021. 2021. Okay, there we go. Um, so despite... You know, getting my life back, I would still get um, like these cysts. And the one that I got uh, right before, or that prompted me to get the third surgery last year was another cyst. It was huge. It sent me to the ER. I can always feel, I'm like, okay, something's different. Uh And every single time I go to the ER, they're like, oh, yeah, you have this. Like, I just know. I have studied Mm -hmm. my body so intimately that I know. I know when something's not right versus, okay, this is just bad, bad pain this time. Right. So, um yeah, I had that done, and that was with, so it's, it's funny, actually, because I thought the second person was a specialist, but this person was a special specialist. <laughs> please, I say that to say, please be careful, and people will put, these doctors will put, oh, yeah, endometriosis, oh, yeah, I do this and it's this, this, but they don't. So that's just another and thing to speak to. Yes. Just please, please, please clarify. And the way to
0: make sure that you're dealing with someone who is a specialist, and I, again, I'm promoing this on every episode because we need to stop the, the, the trickle effect to get to where you need yes. to get to. Yes. Because every time you get sliced and diced, you're, you're moving yourself further and further away from a goal. goal, whether it's pain yes. relief or fertility um, preservation. Absolutely. You're moving yourself further and further away because there's more and more stuff to deal mm-hmm. with. Repeat surgeries aren't fun, especially when you're not addressing the thing most efficiently and right. most effectively. Right. Go to Nancy's Nook. She has Facebook
1: page. Yes. I'm going to include
0: it in the show notes. There's Nancy's Nook. She has a, um, a whole website. But on that website, there are certified specialist, endometriosis specialists that people have reviewed who are actually, th- this is what they do. And again, getting that referral to a specialist may not be easy because so your gynecologist or your general surgeon may think like, oh, okay. I mean, I can, well, do, I can this do this. Or- what you need to go
1: over there for?
0: I mean, why right. Why do you need to go? Over-
1: I can fry chicken. Why do you need to go over there? I mean,
0: <laughs> Precisely. And it's the same thing, like I said, when you're dealing with a fine-tuned machine, you want it to be taken care of like a fine-tuned machine. You don't take your Maserati to Jiffy Lou. So why would you (laughs) why would you take your most intimate being, which is your womb? womb. That's your most intimate possession. Your womb. Why would you take that to the little butcher shop on the corner? You wouldn't do that. And that's exactly what it is. Butcher shop. That's exactly what you're doing when you go to someone who's not a specialist. And there is no middle ground. Like, oh, they've seen a lot of endometriosis cases. I don't care. It doesn't matter. I've seen a lot of, you know invent whatever it is. But that doesn't make me a specialist just because I've seen right. it, have you treated it? Have you studied it? Have you made it dedicated your life and to successfully treated it. And, treated and successfully treated it. Treat that's it? the thing. When you can yeah. see and make the diagnosis without necessarily going in based on symptomatology, based on questions so that you would, like you said before, when you go in, there's something that's surprising you. You're not thrown off like, "Oh, I didn't know this was. I didn't have this on my bingo card." No, you're like, "Okay, I know what I'm going in, I know what I'm looking for, I know how I'm going to take it out, I know how I'm going to address it, and you're able to fully, as a surgeon, explain that to the patient so they know what to expect as well. And
1: another thing, another surprise that you may get, Not this is not every situation, because it there are right. different things that vary, but... Most of the time, the real deal endo specialists, the ones that really know and have dedicated their life to working with patients with these types of disorders, they're self pay. I say that because there is no, you talked about codes early, there is no code for the proper surgery for endometriosis. There is no code for that. So a lot of them are self pay. Another hole in the system, but that's another thing that you, that might not be every single case, but that's another thing to clue you in, like okay, this
0: might yes. be you know the real right. deal. Yeah, and this is again part of the reason why I do the work that I do is because there, the system, health our healthcare system is broken, and I'm not saying that tongue in cheek. I'm not saying that to be hyperbolic. I'm saying that because the system is broken because there's it is not designed to address and cure and heal is designed to maintain it's
1: not about wellness. Management.
0: it's not about wellness. right it's not about wealth it's just it's not a healthcare system no it's a disease management system so oh, a lot of people are turned good. off about, oh, you want to accept my insurance, or I can't, there's no insurance coverage for that, or I've got to pay out of pocket. i got to write that down. But you're paying for what is going to be reimbursed by a system that's broken, by a system that's produced broken providers,
1: mm-hmm. by a system
0: that's not advocating for you, right. that's never designed to do such. So yes, it's an inconvenience, but it's about, and you shouldn't... And I'm being honest with you, you shouldn't have to make these decisions. Do I pay out of pocket or do I go with something that you know my insurance covers? Right. And depending on your insurance and what you can afford, one shouldn't have to make those decisions. It's, it shouldn't be a matter of do I keep my lights on or do I don't live in pain every day? Do you know one of my kids can't maybe go to private school or college. Because I've got to determine what I'm gonna how how I'm gonna like manage my pain in my life and everyday. because those
1: are the, it because yeah, those yeah. are the options, that's why people choose not yeah. to take care of themselves because yeah. in the face of choices like that Yeah. Most of the time you gotta you've gotta make one and most of the time it's not gonna be yourself. Especially when you've got yeah. kids or you know Mm -hmm. a family or who whatever a family family. and that could just that may not even mean children it could just mean a a partner a a parent anything so anytime yeah anything (laughs) that could be it (laughs) so when you are faced with that type of choice there's really no choice to make i i know which choice i probably make i'm going to keep pushing through this pain until it gets to the point where i can't do what i need to do but why should people have to wait that long That's the problem. And it is a
0: vulnerable situation. Mm -hmm. It is a vulnerable, because you're in pain and you want the best. You don't want to have to have repeat surgeries for them to putz around in there and figure (laughs) out, oh, doodle in, doodle out, you know, make a mess of everything. And then, you know, go to another one for them to do the same thing, Mm -hmm. another one. And it comes back, sometimes comes back quicker and worse. I mean, a whole array of (sighs) things until you get someone who can't. Like, it's not, it doesn't make any sense none and again i want to this is a major abdominal surgery this isn't just um okay and in and out an outpatient this is not that this no. is a major abdominal surgery yeah. so you need to find a specialist who can diagnose and remediate and did you ever have a lapar- did you ever get a laparoscopic inter- surgical intervention the second in surgery was laparoscopic okay mm-hmm. So again, when you do, was yours a da Vin- was yours done with uh, Da Vinci robots? Yes. Okay. Do you want to des- do you want to describe that process? Do you remember it? Do you want me to describe it? Um,
1: I'll try. You fill in the blanks. So with okay. the Da Vinci, okay. So with the Da Vinci robot, so laparoscopic means they basically make three holes, or four, mm-hmm. depending on where they need to go. Um, they'll go yep. through the belly button. They fill your belly with air, so you know they can uh-huh. see everything. <laughs> So that's like gas on steroids after yeah. you're finished, <laughs> by the way. Um, so they go in and the, the robot basically are the hand. So you're controlling it from the outside. But the robot, it's what's, you know, cutting and mm-hmm. and, 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 yes. and, and singeing or excising yes. or ablating yes. in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um So that's what the da Vinci is. So it's invasive, but the person is not necessarily touching the inside of your body. It's basically robotic. Um, It's a faster healing time. Depending on what you have done, it's a faster healing time because you don't have that incision to heal from. And that's another thing. Make sure that... In this day and age, you research healing times because if you know that you may have to be cut or if the discussion is that you're going to be cut and they're like, oh, you should be out. Um, You know, you should be good to go in three to four weeks or four to five weeks. Uh Uh-uh. Mm-mm. No, that's you. You were cut. I always
0: add two weeks. Add two weeks to whatever they suggest because at least and don't make any plans. At, at least. least don't make any over. Yeah, any plans to be flying internationally? I mean, you can butter
1: up. <laughs> <laughs> that might not
0: go so well for you. So
1: just chill out because, again, everything's going to be inflamed because they have lasered and, 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 and mm-hmm. cut and and done everything. Yes. So just think about taking a piece of steak and taking, you know, mm-hmm. a rake across that steak or like scooping out with a knife, cutting and scooping. Right. just that's what has happened on the inside. So just give your body right. the space and the grace to do what it needs to do to heal itself. Just sit, yeah. Just sit down somewhere. Just sit down somewhere. Sit down, yeah. <laughs> and and, and, re- and
0: restore yourself. Let right. yourself recover. Hey, right. take the break and because again, you need it. this healing process is when it starts. Is from the time they make that first incision to the time they close you up. Your healing process begins Already. then. So you out here trying to bend and jump and twist and. <laughs> not it's not helping mm-hmm. it's not helping no. this you got a clean slate now it's time to work from there to like you know really make some real lifestyle changes mm-hmm. and just so we know that if your surgeon even if your specialist your endometriosis specialist does not do da Vinci robot know that that is a matter of surgeon's preference right, right. There's, there's it's not better or worse if you have robotic it's this the robotic the da Vinci robotic um, assisted laparoscopy um, is not standard. Um, they call it a straight stick when you have a straight stick laparoscopy when you um, don't have the robot. But again, it's not better or worse. So if your surgeon, a specialist, is like, oh, I do straight stick or and I don't do robotic, it's not like, oh my goodness, I got to like, beeline be Oh, wait a egg. minute. That's not... mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, it's no. fine. <laughs> you don't need to beeline for that. Um, it's yeah, fine. She mentioned the camera and the belly button. The two incisions are on either side of the belly button, and, and the camera goes through the belly button. Um, and sometimes if you've had repeat surgeries and there's a lot of scar tissue, they will go in the um, left upper quadrant right underneath your ribs um, right before they um, inflate instead of going on either side. So those are just some things to consider again. But just please know that we're not saying that if you can't get a um, laparoscopic um, robotic, um, <laughs> robotic assisted, like you need to be lined to the door. Right. No, it's just that surgical preference, the surgeon's preference. And some people are just more... Experienced or more knowledgeable, or they're more comfortable, and that's what you want. When someone's doing any type of surgical intervention, you want the surgeon to be in in, in his or her bag, like that's right. Like they go in there and they're like, "Yep, I got this," because that means you know they're comfortable. Don't have them in there be like, "Oh, this is my first one." Ah, okay. No, (laughs) you've been doing this for how many years? Great. That's that's what we're doing. And whether it's one way or the other, as long as they're comfortable, that's what your aim is. Um, another thing, if you cannot get to a specialist right away, Mm -hmm. and we've talked about this briefly before, make sure when they do go in that they get, you get pics, you get video, a whole array of images so that when you do get to a specialist, they can look at those images and sometimes the specialist, all they got to do is look at an image. They don't even have to look at the whole album. And they can say, okay, okay, this is what we need yep. to do. Because again, they're trained. They have an eye for this. They know what they're looking at. The other your obstetrician, your gynecologist, your general surgeon, your colorectal surgeon, they don't even know. They don't even they can look at it like one or two images and pretty much be like, Yeah, this is what we're working with and this is what I have to do. So just make sure that you are really getting you're self-prepared so that you don't have to get sliced and diced more than one time. You don't put yourself in another situation. And when
1: you sign Thank your you. consent, um, I don't know if there's a way to get it put in writing that you want pictures. Because I discussed all of these things with my surgeon last year. And they sent me one yeah. picture. They didn't take any photos. Like It was the best surgical experience, but the worst Recovery experience I have ever had Um It it was just horrible So make sure if you can That they can get it in writing Because if you have to have this done again Or if you just need a specialist To um Take a review your chart Or whatever the case may be It may even be the same doctor I need you to know what it was When you did it last time Because you're not going to remember me You're not going to remember my case Specifically Mm -hmm. So you need those things to be able to reference. So just it's, I can't stress how important it really is. And I was devastated that you did all of this, like in your report, you did this, you did this, you did this, you did this, you know, it took me a little while to come back because I was hemodynamically unstable, you know, all of this stuff. And you have one picture of the whole procedure Hmm. and no video, no video. So my plea is to make sure that you have that conversation and I'm not sure and you can you speak to
0: request that it's put into the note mm-hmm. that I said I would like photos and video right. of the procedure. It, they're doing it anyway. They're doing it anyway. Well, they should be. And they should yes. And if they're not, that's a bigger that's a bigger. So issue. I don't know but if it doing was it anyway.
1: yeah. I don't know if it was the fact right. that they just didn't do it. I do know that I was the last case of the day. Um, mm-hmm. there was so many things that happened. So I also thought, okay, if I were not a black woman or a woman of color. Right. Would I have my video? Would I movie. have my pictures? Would I have right. all these things? So just save yourself and just have make yep. sure you're having that conversation up front. And
0: articulate it multiple times. Just because you bring it up right. once doesn't mean that doesn't suffice. Because
1: right before you take me out, oil. or right before There's I go out, oil. make sure you get yeah. the pictures. I know it's a sterile environment, but right. y'all better get these pictures, okay? Like I am right. before I yes. goes, get the pictures.
0: You get know? the pictures. <laughs> Right. And again, the squeaky wheel gets the oil, mm-hmm. so the more annoying you yes. are in terms of hitting your thoughts. They don't That's want to see you thing. and you don't want to see yes. you to my stuff. handle my, my cake. Okay, there you go. We talked about um, earlier on about exc- excision versus ablation, mm-hmm. and so I just want to like go over a little bit of okay. the difference. Excision is when you go in and literally take out the, all the lesions, the entire lesions, any of the, um, the uh, offending parties, yes. so to speak. You take it all out. And 12 months to a year, post-surgically, you will, your symptoms will be greatly improved in comparison to ablation. Mm-hmm. Ablation, what it does is burn away the disease with uh, either a cautery uh, or a laser. And so that's best for small lesions. So if they go in, you know, let's say for something else, and it's like, oh, we see a couple small lesions, they can burn those and pretty much address it. But it's really difficult to get deep enough or wide enough to destroy the entire area of disease or lesioned tissue. Mm -hmm. Um, And because it's harder when you try to deal with larger area with the ablation aspect, there's more injury and more probability you're gonna injure other organs. Yes. So what you really want to do is again, and that's why a specialist is necessary because you don't wanna go someone and be like, oh, I'm just gonna laser this off right here. We're just gonna laser it off. Meanwhile, now you got a whole bunch of other issues because yes. somebody went crazy with a laser and they didn't know what they were doing. Exactly. You can't handle a whole, someone who has you know deep infiltrated mm-hmm. um, endometrial tissue mm-hmm. lesions with a laser. And someone who doesn't know that thinks a laser is a new toy and they're having fun. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, post-op, you can't understand why you can't get your life right and why your life hasn't been right. Because you
1: chose to have fun with a lightsaber inside my pelvic cavity.
0: Inside my body, precisely, Mm -hmm. precisely. Mm -hmm. So you talked about setting up your team. Mm -hmm. And I think you didn't quite hit on it, but I'm going to like kind of go back to it. There was something that happened early in 2021 or was it late in 2020 that affected some of your, the evolution of this surgery? Um,
1: Yes. Oh, how could I forget that? Okay, so (laughs) October 2020. Okay, so September of 2020, I see my nurse practitioner And she does all the things for my um, routine, um, checkup, pap, everything. Mm -hmm. Everything's fine. There's no ovary. She did a manual exam. I have the notes. Everything was fine. No cyst. We're good. I get COVID in October, less than a month later, and I'm having surgery in March because now I have uh, the biggest cyst that I think that I've had um, that I can remember. Um, yeah. so I definitely think we know that COVID is inflammatory. We know that endo is inflammatory. So I think, um, it is my firm belief that they consider RA, they consider lupus, um, they consider all of these other RA is rheumatoid arthritis. Right? I'm sorry, they consider all of these other inflammatory um conditions when they discuss COVID. But it's my belief because this is a woman's issue because, oh, oh, no, that doesn't count. They, they don't even discuss it. But it's my firm belief that my second surgery was the result of having COVID. That's my belief. I don't think anybody will yeah. write that down, but I can say it. it is my belief. Um, because you're not going to tell me that it goes from nothing in September, less than a month later, and then fast forward, what, four or five months? And now it's eight centimeters, nine centimeters. Come on
0: now. Right. Like, yeah. And I mean, and that's that's fast growth even for not in having the any There was nothing going on. <laughs> oh, right. In the absence of oh, right. that's super fast growth for any type of cyst. Especially, I mean, they can get big, but then they wane and they go away, exactly. they wax and wane. But to go from zero, nothing exists, there's nothing, no pain, no nothing. And like you said, you are in, intimately connected with, okay, this is different. Mm-hmm. So you know what it feels like. And to go from zero to like the biggest of your life, it only, you know, yeah, it was, and again, they wanted to not, operate this is not a in podcast the podcast ER. For us yeah. To debate COVID. yeah, this is not a podcast mm-hmm. for us to because that's not what I'm here for, and I'm not going to engage anybody in terms of that. However, there's there's a cause and effect, there's always a cause and effect, and until you can tell me that you know for 100% without a doubt that it can't, it it's still can, a possibility, and mm-hmm. it's a possibility, and especially when there had been nothing else going on all this time. I mean, just like so many different things. And so again, this is not to change anybody's mind. This is not to like, you know, talk about anything about what's going on with COVID except for the fact that there was an offending party mm-hmm. that differed between the time you had your <laughs> your annual yep. and the time that happened 5 months later. Yeah. Something did happen. And do what you want with that information. As for me and my house, <laughs> this is this <laughs> Okay, so um, as we continue going on, so when you set up your team, and I know you talked about setting up Mm -hmm. your team, how, from this point on, now you have had surgery number three, pretty much about, you know, almost 20 years apart, about, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit more than 20 years apart from first to the last, Um, how have you... What tips do you have in terms of setting up your team, and your surgical team and your multidisciplinary team in terms of your um, pre, pre-operation, post-operation, in the, in, um, the in, to time in between, the interim? Mm-hmm. What um, tips do you have about setting up your team?
1: Um, so I do think your... Um... Your interim team is most important because that is who will manage you in between surgeries. So the goal of every surgery is to not have to have surgery again, right? So hopefully when you do get your surgical team, it's a one-time or very uh, sporadic um, relationship that you have to see them. So it's the maintenance in between. And so for me, it was finding the, um, non Western or non Western textbook methods of treatment that really, like I said, changed my life. So acupuncture, um, and all the modalities. So whether that's moxa cupping or anything like that, pelvic massage, Mm -hmm. steaming pelvic floor therapy, um, You know, trying to get back into movement, um, which has been really hard since COVID because my lungs really took a hit um, during COVID. It took me 11 months to recover. So even getting back into that and just moving more, like I feel, I can feel how things are just kind of, you know, stuck. Mm -hmm. And so just stretching and all of that other type stuff and just being... um, being forgiven, not really forgiving, but just give yourself, just be lenient on yourself. Having grace for yourself. Give yourself grace. I keep saying it. Yeah, just make sure, you know, just know that it's not an overnight thing. Endo, you don't get endo and then it just gets horrible overnight. You may have new pain that you notice overnight, but that's not the nature of the condition, right? So just know that it didn't take, it wasn't overnight that you developed this and, you know, just give yourself a little bit longer than overnight to be able to adjust to any new treatment. And again, acupuncture is one of those things where it's not, it, it works because you continue to do it. And I do want to yeah. stress, it's not a... It's not a pill, so you just take the pill, and you let the pill do the work, and you have you don't have to do anything. It is a lot of work on your part to do things outside, yeah. so it is your diet. Your practitioners can't... They don't cook for you. They don't... So, unless... <laughs> most people I know can't afford a full-time chef, so you're having to prepare the meals and, eat the, food. In your care. Yes, and yes. eat the foods that are going to make you feel good or make you feel better journaling. So it's really when you find your team, you are a part of that team. And if they yes. don't treat you like that and they're just saying, okay, we're going to do a, B and C and they don't listen to you, then you're not find a finding new team. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I was lucky right. enough. I found my first shot and it has been amazing, but it is work. It right. is work on your part. Don't just expect them to do everything. it is still a chronic everything. condition
0: mm-hmm. that continuously evolves. Right. So what worked last year at this time <laughs> may be long gone, <laughs> and you might be on a new thing by now. And it's not because you're flaky. It's not because you're shifty. It's not because... No, because you have a chronic condition that evolves with... <laughs> you are, with you're
1: You're going to be a shapeshifter. Listen, if you have endo, adeno, um, fibro, you are like a shapeshifter, honestly, because yeah. what you do what you did yesterday may not work for you today you may have been on cloud nine you may have had all the energy in the world yesterday which i did and when i woke up this morning i just was just not feeling it it wasn't the day oh <laughs> it was not the day so again right. be patient with yourself be patient with yourself right. i used to do beach body so that's like lifting weights kickboxing doing all this stuff and. It makes me hurt to do too much mm-hmm. of that now. So it's shifting, thinking, okay, well, if I need to tone, maybe I should do more of, you know, yoga, more body work, more, you know, so it's just Pilates. Fi- Pilates, yeah, so um, it's just finding those things yeah. and knowing, okay, a week before your cycle, you got to cut out that Pilates because any of that ab movement, you are going to mm-hmm. be in agony. Um, so it's just right. knowing those things, and sometimes that's the case, and sometimes it's not, but just it's it's a journey but it's really a journey with two people it's the self that you yeah. know and it's the self yeah. that you get to know so it's basically like you and your future self mm-hmm. are taking this journey together and then eventually you merge as you merge like this yes and you, and then you yes. continue to grow as one because it's never it's, it's not a destination, it's a journey, right? So you never just make okay. it, oh, I've made it, you know, so you're always right. growing, you're always learning about yourself, so just take the time to do that as well.
0: We have talked about resources, and I know what, in case anything else comes to mind, but that there are there any additional resources that have come to mind as we talked today? We talked about Nancy's mm-hmm. none, we always are talking about endo-black. Please, you know, go to the conference, especially if you're, if you yes. no where you yes, are yes, in yes, this yes, degree, yes. Go to the conference, get to the conference, buy a ticket, because you will not be disappointed. Um, and so we talked about those two because they're really good. They're comprehensive. But is there anything else that comes to mind um, in terms of surgical intervention or anything else that you can think of, a resource that we haven't mentioned yet or that we want to reemphasize?
1: Um. Yeah, Nancy's Nook, as far as like surgeons and everything, that's really um,
0: Nancy's Nook. and She's a tried and true resource. Like mm-hmm. she, she comes from a knowledgeable place, and you're getting information that you can apply and use in real time. It's not like hypothetical stuff. It's about, okay, if this is happening, go here. It's really about education, um, and she's comprehensive. And, again, the team of physicians have come highly regarded, highly respected, mm-hmm. because they're experts in their field. So one last thing that I want to mention is that, especially when you are know that you have an endometriosis diagnosis, mm-hmm. or even when you're thinking about that it could be endometriosis, tell your doctor everything. Share all your symptoms, even if you think they are not related. Open up, and that requires you to connect your mind with your body. So many of us are so, and this is sometimes myself included, we are so busy moving and shaking that everything uh, uh, is disconnected between what's above the neck and what's below the neck. And it's like our minds are always going that we don't even think about that. Oh, I had a side pain or I'm coughing more than I typically do. Or why am I constipated or my knee hurts? That's not things that you ignore, right. especially if they're happening consistently or cyclically. Because that means something. Anything that you are having or experiencing that you can't explain or that doesn't connect with, oh, yeah, I rammed my knee against the corner of the table. Yes, I, I'm bruised here. Yeah, that's, that's a direct connection. Right. I bruised, I'm bruised because I hit my knee on the table. Okay, we're not talking about that kind of stuff. But even if that same bruising starts happening, like, all the time and you can't remember bumping your knee, you, can't, you don't know what you ran into, you don't have any kind of, like... Connection to these things. That's a symptom too. It's not just oh I bruise easily, which may be the case But why is it happening more often? So check the frequency Make sure you're connecting your mind and your body because often as women we don't because we're so stretched in so many different directions Mm -hmm. We may feel a symptom, but we ignore it now is not the time for that because you're again you're putting yourself behind an already large eight ball and just disclose all the information. If you've had a pregnancy termination, just say it. Mm-hmm. Nope. And if, and if your doctor judges you or you feel like you're being judged, it's time to get a new practitioner. Right. It's time to terminate right. that relationship. But if that that could be some scar tissue. That could be the reason for some adhesions. Mm-hmm. And again, not, it's not about the judgment. It's about painting a picture so that the person who you're entrusting with your health and wellness and subsequent healing knows what they right. can look for, right? What they can look out for, how they can make connections that you can't on your own. And so with getting off my soapbox, <laughs> Tiffany, any parting words of wisdom?
1: Um... Yeah, just make sure that when your practitioner, whoever they are, um, they tell you the what, that's fine. But let's get to finding out the why, because a lot of times Western medicine does not address the why. They address the what, oh, pill for that, cream for that, Uh, you know, but the why is important. So just make sure you keep that in mind when you're also having these conversations.
0: Right, because chasing symptoms again is not going to be the answer. Mm-hmm. But you need to find out what's under underpinning that, right. what's underlying that. Right. I love that. Thank you so much, Thank Tiffany. You. And next week is going to be our. I can't even believe this, but next week I is going know. to be our last week together. I know. I enjoy I this. <laughs> I don't even understand it. I don't even understand. It. I love I this it so much. You and your yellow. Thank you. Um, you look gorgeous <laughs> as always. You. But we're going to talk about endometriosis, an endometriosis diagnosis and fertility challenges. And we kind of broached some of that to, um, this time. But again, we're really going to be talking about that. Because again, as we move from endometriosis awareness month, April is... Fertility Awareness Month Mm -hmm. or Infertility Awareness Month. I prefer to talk about this in the positive and infertility. Fertility challenges means something that we can overcome. But we're going to be talking about that, so it's going to be the perfect segue into next month. So until we meet again next week, I hope you have a good one. You
1: too. Bye, everyone.
0: Take a look at the show notes for more information about today's guest, their contact information, and associated social media channels. Think about one gem you can take away from this episode and apply to your own life. Also, please follow the podcast, leave a five star rating and comment telling us what you're enjoying and what you'd like to see more of in future episodes. Till we meet again, remember to nourish your flourish and see you next time.